fantasy football today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. The top 150 countdown continues. Numbers 120 through 91 today. Welcome back to Fantasy Football Today. Yesterday was great. Really enjoyed it. Good stuff. I think we're getting people acquainted with players that we don't talk about that much, and that's great. Like, we're starting with Anthony Miller today. Uh, we haven't talked much about him this offseason. Welcome to Dave and Jamie. Hey, guys. What's up? What's going on? Yo. Just got done watching you guys on CBS Sports HQ. So make sure you all check it out Monday through Friday this week. They are doing the top 130 a little bit, di- or top 150 a little bit differently than we're doing it here on the podcast. And you know, since we uh, want to get to it, let's just go through three news items real quick. Uh, your your boss said that ours is better. Who said that? Your boss. EK. All your bosses. I don't believe that. He also said that we couldn't leave the curse words in in the uh, Stephen D'Souza. Oh, you're ratting him out. Yeah. Good. So. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk with him after this. All right. Duke Johnson wants to be traded. We talked about him yesterday. Marquise Lee likely won't be ready for the start of training camp. We talked about him yesterday. Obviously, Duke Johnson's value would would change quite a bit on a new team. But there's this Todd Gurley news that people are acting like is news. And in my opinion, it is not news at all. It is exactly what we thought. But what's just give me a quick summary on what Ian Rappaport of NFL Network said about Todd Gurley. Well, what he said was that the days of him being in every down back were gone. Right. Yes. We we pretty much assumed that, didn't we? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. But hearing it in a report certainly doesn't help. And then hearing the coach say, well, we want Todd to be comfortable. And if he wants to lose some weight, that's fine. And we aren't going to, you know, overwork him. And I, I just feel like we're starting to hear all kinds of excuses. And we started hearing excuses last January. This that's past true. January, yeah. I should say. He had 34 touches in three playoff games. He had one good playoff game and two duds. I'm uh, I'm 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 ready to not have Todd Gurley on my fantasy team, and that's a sentence I never thought I'd say until like 2023. It's an unknown, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens based on his ADP. Uh, he could end up being somebody that helps you win your league. The yeah. farther he falls. Well, we'll get to him on Friday because he will certainly be in the top 30. We'll see. Uh, Should he be? I would say so. But, well, he will be for the purposes of these shows this week in our top 150. But, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about Gurley later in the week uh, and obviously uh, where to take him in fantasy. All right, CBS Sports HQ, our free 24-7 sports network. Download the CBS Sports app anywhere. You know, I got it on my Roku, so any connected device. Watch HQ. It's great. It's free. I'm on Sunday afternoons doing fantasy baseball. Dave and Jamie are on not every Monday through Friday, but they will be during football season uh, at noon Eastern for FFT for fantasy football today. And the Pick 6 podcast, just one of the many podcasts we have. You want to subscribe to it. Will Brinson's doing an amazing job. Uh, Pick 6 podcast. Go to cbsports.com slash podcast or podcasts, either one, for a full list of all our shows. All right, here we go. Back to what we were doing. We're going to try to average two minutes per player. And we start with number 120, Anthony Miller, second-year receiver for the Bears, who actually led the Bears in touchdown catches. Oh, no Heath on the show today, by the way. He'll be back from Wednesday through Friday, just in case you're curious. Let's talk about Anthony Miller, guys. Uh, What do you think about him going into this year? He's number 120 for us. I think he's got a lot of great upside. If he can score seven touchdowns with one healthy shoulder, imagine what he can do with two. 
mentioned uh, this offseason that he played with a dislocated shoulder that popped out like five times during the year. Uh, and and I, I'm enamored with the talent, and I think that the coaching staff can put him in positions to win, and you can get him at a great price on draft day. His, his value is amazing. Um, I don't know if his targets will be amazing. That's the problem. So uh, seven touchdowns, I think, will probably be the ceiling. But you have to hope that the catches and yards go up. Yeah. So it's just, it's, just, it's just an offense that doesn't necessarily feature one guy very prominently. He averaged 3.6 targets per game last year. So that exact that's a great noise. <laughs> you almost want yeah, you have to almost hope that it doubles. Uh, yeah, at least. Right. But where you're drafting him, it's it's still good value just in case it's a little less than that. Like I don't I don't think you're drafting him at, a, at in round 10 with the hope of him being your number 2 receiver. You're drafting him with the hope that he meet some of the upside that he has. By the way, so I asked everybody for feedback on how they liked the show yesterday. We got good feedback, mostly positive reviews. And one thing, one person said, can you also list where they're ranked at their position? And that's a great idea. So we ended yesterday's show with Albert Wilson at number 121. He was wide receiver 56. He was ahead of Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf, who just cracked the top 60. Uh, number 120 in the top 150 is Anthony Miller. He is wide receiver 55. Number 119 is a tight end, Austin Hooper. He is number tight end 11. Number 119 overall and the number 11 tight end. And Austin Hooper actually pretty involved in the red zone, second on the team with 13 red zone targets. Led the team with 10 targets inside the 10-yard line. Should I expect anything from Austin Hooper other than just... At the end of the year, he's accumulated enough stats to be a top twelve tight end. Yep. That I, wait, I said, should I expect anything more than that? No. <laughs> okay. Yep. Hey, I got a, I got no. a fun, I got a fun tip yeah. for you. I didn't know this until this morning, so don't feel bad if you don't know. But you probably know who is Austin Hooper's tight end coach. Mike Malarkey. Yes, it is. Mike Malarkey was Delaney Walker's tight end coach before. Mike Malarkey, uh, Mike Malarkey, Delaney Walker never had more than 571 yards in a season. He then had four straight 800-yard seasons with Malarkey either as his tight end coach or his head coach. What's Mike Malarkey's middle name? Hooper? No. I don't know. Look it up on your free time. <laughs> okay. Do you want to say anything about Hooper before we move on? He's, a, he's better in PPR because of his high target rate and catch rate. Okay. Puts him ahead of other tight ends that are similar touchdown or bust types like Najoku, Jordan Reed. I'd rather have those two guys. In non-PPR? Both. Maybe. No, in PPR, I'd take an Hooper. Yeah. I'd just rather settle for him. I think he's just not very – the ceiling's not very high. <clears throat> right. I'm settling for all three of these tight ends. He ended up being the number seven tight end in non-PPR, number six in PPR, Austin Hooper. And then last question on him. If you look at the way the Falcons' targets shook out last year, Julio Jones had 170. And then three players, Sanu, Ridley, and Hooper, all had 88 to 94. Do you think Hooper will be in the same target range as Sanu and or Ridley this year, or will there be some more separation? I'll say there will be a little more separation. I think Ridley takes a a small step up, and Sanu, provided that all three receivers stay healthy, takes a small step back. I would say it stays exactly the same. Number 118, exactly the same. same. (laughs) Okay. Exact same stats. 
I'm hoping that yeah, Ridley kind of gets to like the 110 range or something. Yep. It would be at Hooper's expense, maybe or Sanu's expense. Uh, number 118 is Jared Goff. So Hooper was tight end 11. Jared Goff is QB 11 in our top 150. That means he's the 11th ranked quarterback in our consensus rankings. He was number six last year. Why is he number 11 this year? It's a good question because he's finished as a top 10 fantasy quarterback each of the last two seasons. But I, I think there's some concern about what his offensive line will look like. There's concern about what his run game might look like. And I just I feel like that there is a kind of a dark cloud hanging over Goff where he's okay as a top 12 fantasy quarterback, but maybe not one who has the upside that he's given you the past couple of seasons. Yeah, what I think is interesting about last year's kind of splits, because he had a very bad slump late in the year, Jared Goff. Yep. If you count the postseason three games, he had only one game with more than 18 fantasy points in his last eight. And that was week 17 against San Francisco. That's 18 and a six-point-per-passing touchdown league. And that's just bad. But most of that coincided with Cooper Cup's injury. Seven games with Cooper Cup. Jared Goff averaged 27.6 fantasy points per game and six point per passing touchdown leagues. He would have been number two in fantasy based on that number if he had if he had done that for 16 games. Was that the problem? And are we like I think we might be sleeping on Jared Goff at QB 11. He's an unbelievable guy to wait for if you can get him at this spot. Does he have top three upside? Um, I mean he's gotten better every year of his career, so. If the run game does falter, then you know maybe more is put on his plate. So we'll see. Getting cut back is going to be huge because Josh Reynolds, while he had some good moments and the tight ends had some good moments, they don't do what Cup does. So you know having those three receivers at his disposal was very good for him. And Sean McVay is going to continue to open the offense for him. But I agree with Dave. The offensive line is a concern. You know, yeah. new center, no Saffold. Um, you know, we'll, we'll Whitworth see. is almost forty. Yeah, but I don't care about that. If he's there, he's fine. Nah, I'm, he thought about retiring. He'll be, I, I think, to start the year. Of course, he'll be fine. Well, um, it, could be, it could be a problem. It could be. Here, here's another perk. Daryl Henderson brought into the offense. How, what, what do you do to work around a, a suspect offensive line? You you screen out passes a little bit more. Maybe you throw some too. flares. Yeah, but now they've got another guy to do it with in Henderson, and I think that could help Goff. I, I can't take Goff outside of my top 12. And I feel kind of bad having him out. I think he's my 11th-ranked quarterback. And again, Jamie said the best. He's a great value, and you can get him late enough where if you want to take another quarterback just in case he's not so good to start the year, you can. All right, so we're at, that's 118, Jared Goff. Now let's go to 117 and 115. Number 116 is a running back, but number 117 is a tight end. Number 115 is a tight end. And we talked about them, you know, just kind of mentioned their names with Austin Hooper, who was 119. So within five picks in our consensus rankings, we have Austin Hooper, David Njoku, Cleveland's third-year tight end, and Jordan Reed of Washington, who is entering his seventh season. How do you guys rank Hooper, Njoku, and Reed? In PPR, I've got Hooper, Njoku, and Reed. Uh, I'll go Reed, Njoku, Hooper. Okay. Okay, so Njoku in the middle, and Jamie, you're the highest on Reed. Now, I heard you guys just talking about Reed, uh, well, all three of these guys, on HQ. So I didn't really realize it, but Jordan Reed last year played 13 games, but he played 12 like healthy games, and he left after just one target in the 13th game. If you take those 12 games and give him 16 games, he would have had the fourth most targets, the fourth most catches, and the fifth most yards. 
that's that's based on him playing 16 games, not necessarily everybody. But he would have had a pretty fairly prolific year: 72 catches, 74 yards, uh, 744 yards, but very few touchdowns. Was on pace for two and a half touchdowns. Uh, I do remember guys though feeling like Jordan Reed do- is not the same player anymore. I've, he's lost it. Maybe the injuries have taken their toll. Does he does he still have big upside like he used to? I don't think so. Big upside, no. More upside than a lot of the guys in this group, absolutely. Because you look at this receiving core, and and let's keep in mind that the quarterback situation was a complete disaster for them after Alex Smith got hurt. So the end of the year was just total, total, just terrible way to judge this Washington offense. And I, I like that Jay Gruden, the things that he's saying, uh, he was asked about being on hard knocks. He said, if if uh, you make the playoffs, you're not here next year. If you make the playoffs, you, you'll be in there next year. He said, if we don't make the playoffs, I won't be here next year. Um, <laughs> I think he's very understanding what the situation is. They need the healthy Jordan Reed. And, you know, he's he said as much this uh, this offseason that he expects him to be healthy. Um, he's healthy right now. He's gotten the toe situation fixed. So when you get to these these tight ends here, um, and I probably have Chris Herndon a little bit too low. Um, I have him behind Reed and Njoko, at least for now. Uh, it, you're, you're really grasping at straws. Um you know, and if you look at what Reed has done in his career, like you said, Adam, what he was on pace for last year, uh, when he's been right, when he's played 13 plus games, I mean, he's been among the best fantasy tight ends that we've seen. So I don't know if he's going to ever get back to that level where he was in 2015 when he was challenging Rob Gronkowski to be the number one tight end that year. Uh, but can he be top six? I think so. I feel like I, want- I feel like that's his only year is better than eighth, though. Am I wrong? Because it- the only time he's been healthy. Uh yeah well 2016 he played 12 games and he, he was on pace for then was amazing too he was on pace for 88 catches 915 yards and eight touchdowns which probably would have been like top three just up to I don't know but that's really good I don't want to I don't want to send us on a tangent but I want to ask this question and kind of pose it to everybody when you're drafting a tight end late what are you looking for you're looking for someone to begin the season as your starter. Hopefully. I'm looking for a guy that's going to play my entire season as a starter. Okay. So taking a guy that is lucky to play 13 games is, is the way to do that. Well, it's better than the rookie tight ends, which the track record of those guys is terrible. Right. You don't know what they're going to be. The track record is bad, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those players are going to be bad. You rarely see two tight ends taken in the first round, and they've got better matchups three, in week years one. ago, and they weren't good at all as rookies. No. Well, Ingram was. Yeah. Ingram, Ingram was, was the, yes, Ingram, the Ingram, one guy. Ingram. That, that one was. guy in the last five years. Yeah. But if you're going to take so a chance, Dave, I might as well take one on someone that's got some upside and some potential and is healthy and is young. So you don't think that's Reed? I know that Reed's not young. No, you and he's got a terrible matchup. He's got three terrible matchups to start the season. He's against the Eagles, Cowboys, and Bears. Who else are they going to oh throw to, though? That's the biggest thing. Targets are going to be he, so much in his favor. The, great. He had, Adam, you just said it. He would have had like the fourth most from targets. Josh Johnson and Colt McCoy at the end of the season. But Adam he said was, from the first 12 games of the year, and I think that was with Alex Smith, not those other quarterbacks. Wait, he actually, to be clear, he was better when Alex Smith got hurt, if you recall. As soon as Alex Smith got hurt, Colt McCoy came in the game and Jordan Reed was reborn. It was really weird. Do you have those numbers? Uh, yes. First 10 games with Alex Smith, he had two touchdowns, but one of them was from Colt McCoy, who replaced him. So one touchdown in 10 games, and then after okay. that, he caught seven catches for 71 yards and a touchdown against Houston. Oh, that was when Smith got hurt. And then the following week, six for 75 at Dallas, and then four for 21 at, at Philadelphia, and then he got hurt the following week. 
So two of the three games that he played without Alex Smith or with Smith getting hurt, he actually had seven for 71 on a touchdown and six for 75. It, it was weird. Um, I so, so, Dave, are you telling me you take the rookies over Jordan Reed? Yeah. All right, give me a quick thought on Njoku, guys. I think he might be the most overrated tight end that'll get drafted this year. <laughs> because of, because of and I'll and I'll uh, take him ahead of Jordan Reed too. <laughs> because of uh, Beckham. Well, I, he's Odell's definitely going to take targets away, which means that Njoku is going to be a touchdown or bust tight end, and all these guys late in the draft are going to be. So again, you you want to point to guys who you feel comfortable with starting to begin the year, and at least with Njoku, third year player. You know he's got some potential. He just hasn't realized it. He doesn't have a game in his career with more than like 75 yards. He's had two games in his career with more than 70. So that means he's got a score to give you numbers that you'd be happy with at tight end. Last year he had 11 games with at least five targets. In those games he averaged 9.9 PPR points per game. That would have put him as the 10th best tight end. I expect him to get better in his third season, and I think there's a lot of upside with Navin to joke in this offense. Like what our buddy Zagura told us when he – uh after the Beckham trade, I think he's going to open things up for this offense and Baker's going to continue to lean on him. I think he's one of the best fantasy players, not just tight ends you can wait for on drafting. Starts the season with the Titans and the Jets. You might think that those are easy matchups, and maybe they will be, but they were good against tight ends last year. I could see that going either way. I mean, he's so talented and hopefully coming into his own. Uh, maybe there are a lot of mouths to feed there. All right, look, it's tough. It's tough deciding between these guys. I think at the, if you wait till the end of the draft to draft your tight end or late in the draft, you're going to have a lot of options, and it's just a matter of which guy you really like. Is it Reed? Is it Njoku? Is it Hooper? Is it a rookie? Uh, you know, you you tell us. Deontay Foreman is number one sixteen. I'm starting to get excited about him. You should. He. I, I did notice one problem. I'm not sure if I had mentioned this or even noticed it before. Eighty five career carries, three fumbles. So we got to clean that up. But yeah, I, obviously, I think we all feel like there's a ton of upside with Foreman. Yeah, um, normally third-year running backs with under 100 career touches and an Achilles injury are not guys to get excited about, but I think the value is too good to ignore. Standing ahead of him on the depth chart is Lamar Miller, who I guess the coaches like because they didn't really do anything to take him away from being the starting running back, but Foreman is is physical, and if he's running as well as he claims and as we've seen in a couple of videos online – He's, you know, he's more than a year recovered from the Achilles injury. He should get some opportunities to at least work in tandem with Lamar Miller with the upside to eventually dislodge Lamar Miller as uh, as a starting running back in Houston. So getting him in round nine, round 10, that kind of range, not a lot of risk, plenty of reward. Okay, Deontay Foreman only had seven carries last season. He missed most of the year. And uh, let's go to wide receivers next here. So we are going four wide receivers in a row. John Brown for Buffalo. We're at we're at number 114 in the ranking right now. 114, 113, 112, and 111. We've got John Brown now with Buffalo. Emmanuel Sanders entering his 10th season coming off an Achilles injury. He was a top 24 wide receiver last year. He's 113, Emmanuel Sanders. His teammate, Deshaun Hamilton is number 112, and by the way, Cortland Sutton will be there uh, later on in this countdown. And Nikhil Harry, New England wide receiver, Nikhil Harry, rookie, first-round draft pick, is number 111. The way we have it in the consensus rankings is John Brown, well, uh, let me go from best to worst. Nikhil Harry, Deshaun Hamilton, Emmanuel Sanders, John Brown. How do you guys, Jamie, I'll start with you, how do you feel about that ranking? 
Tell me again. Yeah, Nikhil Harry, Deshaun Hamilton, Emmanuel Sanders, and John Brown. I love Deshaun Hamilton in PPR. I think uh, with Sanders not ready yet from his Achilles injury, he's going to get plenty of time in the slot. We saw last year um, he averaged 13.3 PPR points in the final four games of the season when when Sanders was out. Uh, he's reportedly had a good offseason so far, so I, I think you're going to see him continue to uh, improve in his second season. Um, I, I think there's a lot to like. I think he's actually the best Broncos receiver in PPR. I'll take Anthony Miller ahead of everybody that you named. Really? Yeah. I'll take a couple of rookies on top of everybody that you named, too. Uh, I agree that Deshaun Hamilton and PPR can be good. He can get you 10 to 15 points most weeks, and that's especially if Emmanuel Sanders is either not playing or pushed to the outside because they've both played a lot in the slot. They both played with a slot-centric quarterback last year, Case Keenum kind of favors the slot. And you even think back to when he was in Minnesota and what he did for the slot receivers there. Flacco isn't quite the same guy. Flacco likes to chuck it a little bit more. And I wonder if that's going to hurt the target numbers for whoever's in the slot, Hamilton, Emmanuel Sanders. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not too excited about having Deshaun on my bench to begin the year in deeper PPR. Sure. Because of that 10 to 15 point window that he could fall into or out of depending on, where the window is in your house. <laughs> Let me talk about Nikhil Harry, and he is a rookie. And New England, so the, the, I think the thing I like about him is that Josh Gordon was at his best last year when Rob Gronkowski did not play. He had three games without Rob Gronkowski, and he had four for 100 at the Bears, five for 130 and a touchdown against the Packers, and four catches for 81, at the t- for 81 yards at the Titans. So three really good games for that outside that's, receiver without Gronk. Yep, that's interesting. Yeah, obviously the, it doesn't mean it's going to happen, but you know, because I heard because I heard Will come on the show and talk about on the video show talk about how the Patriots didn't target their receivers that much, but when Gronk was not there, Josh Gordon did really really well. So I I do see an opportunity, a big one for Harry, and obviously it's a first round pick, and he's gonna be of the three. Of the four guys we named, he's going to be on the best offense. Brown, Sanders, and, and Hamilton, and then Nikhil Harry. I don't think there's any question about that. No, that's that stat is interesting. Uh, definitely gives me some pause, but uh, I'll go with what I was prepared to say before hearing that, which is we we know that rookie receivers in New England typically do not fare well. There's a pretty long-standing track record of that, and we know that outside receivers in New England tend to not play good enough to be great in fantasy. So um, unless the Patriots kind of overhaul how they run their offense without Gronk, and and maybe you just gave us a glimpse into what that'll be, I don't know if Harry can be anything more than maybe an off-and-on number three receiver for your fantasy team, and I'm not drafting him for that. Okay. All right, so we are now up to number 110 in the countdown. And wide receiver, 50. So Harry was 51. We just did wide receivers 51 through 54. Wide receiver, 50 is Marquise Brown, and he is number 110 in our countdown. I'm going to tell you about Marquise Brown, but I do have to remind you, the World Series of Poker is here, the 50th year of the World Series of Poker. You can have a front row seat to the bracelet events with CBS All Access. What you're going to want to do is download the CBS app or go to cbs.com poker. Download the app on your phone or your streaming device or go to cbs.com slash poker. 
You can get a free trial of this. Start watching today. Don't miss any of the action. And I will remind you, if you do love poker, if you do love the World Series of Poker, you've got access to a live stream of the final tables of 33 of the bracelet events, including 25 events that you can't watch anywhere else. CBS.com slash poker or download the CBS app. So the next two receivers, we've got six receivers in a row, including the last four that we just talked about. Rookie Marquise Brown for Baltimore. And Kenny Stills going into his seventh year for the Dolphins. Do I, so, Jamie, you, you seem to really like Deshaun Hamilton uh, in, in PPR. How about over Marquise Brown or Kenny Stills? Yeah, it's easy for me. Um, I, I'm worried about Marquise Brown with the foot injury, his lack of rapport, uh, not only with Lamar Jackson, but just learning this offense, you know, because he hasn't any time this offseason. Who knows when he will? Um, I'm hopeful Lamar Jackson gets better, but I need to see it first. And we saw John Brown's numbers just completely fall off when Jackson took over. So I don't know how consistent their connection will be uh, to maximize what Brown's skill set is. So Marquise Brown's skill set. So um, I, I would much rather have Deshaun Hamilton. Same thing over Kenny Stills. I think Stills got his, has a good opportunity uh, to establish himself as the number one guy in Miami. But uh, we saw last year that he, he failed to do so when he had a prime spot. So I, I think you, uh, you you take what Hamilton showed you in, in those final four games, and you uh, you should feel more comfortable with him as your as your guy. What are you drinking so, there? What are you drinking there, Dave? I heard a little. That's uh, water. <laughs> it's a gigantic cup of water. It's forty four ounces. Wow, that's a lot of water. Yeah. Well, all right. Dave, yeah. Dave's gonna need a bathroom. I go to the bathroom a lot. <laughs> go I, ahead. I think this is the part of the draft when you're right around pick hundred overall, where you're looking for like priority depth. At wide receiver. Can't say it at running back because that's going to go sooner than this. But I think that what you're looking for from the receivers at this point are guys that uh, you you want to prioritize as quality bench players for your team, which I think I think you can make the argument for almost anybody that we talk about in this range is someone that, yeah, i got to have them. Deshaun Hamilton's going to catch a lot of passes. i got to have him in PPR. Nikhil Harry's in the right spot. Uh, Marquise Brown is really fast and really uncomfor- uncoverable. But he's got, you know, a, a liability at quarterback, and we don't know how healthy he is now or will be once he starts getting knocked around because he might be the smallest person uh, in the NFL this season. So you you, you kind of have to pick and choose your spots here with the wide receivers that are in this range. But the whole point of this exercise is to kind of come up with reasons why you would go after some of these receivers. All right, so, so why don't we do this then? I gave you six wide receivers. I'll give them again. Well, just, just before you go there, just to backtrack for a second, uh, with Nikhil Harry, um, there's an, another move the Patriots have made. They're cutting uh, Austin Safarian Jenkins, according to Ian Rappaport. Really? Um, he's taking some time away for personal oh, reasons. Oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. Um, all right, so the six wide receivers, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Deshaun Hamilton, Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown, and Kenny Stills. Rank, give me your top three. Top three. Tell me again. I'm sorry. The, you should have the rankings in front of you, you know. Uh, they are John Brown. But you want our top three. Yeah, but but you should have the list. John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders, Deshaun Hamilton, Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown, and Kenny Stills. Hamilton, Stills, and... Nikhil Harry, Marquise Brown, John Marquise Brown. Brown. No, John Brown. I've got Marquise Brown and Deshaun Hamilton and Kenny Stills, and I've got Anthony Miller ahead of all of them. Okay. And Kenny Stills. I also Stills, have Deshaun Jackson ahead of all of them. I think we're going to get to him. Kenny Stills, 109 overall in our top 150, and he 
to me, I think much better in best ball, right? Well, certainly better. Sure. Seven games with fewer than 20 yards last year. All right, we got two quarterbacks now. Number 108, Drew Brees. Number 107, Jameis Winston. Who do you guys like better? Uh, Brees ranked higher. I love Jameis Winston this year. Better, where do you have better Winston? Than Brees, Is he like seven. seventh for you? Yeah. And where do you have Brees? 11. 7-11. Hey, Jamie's always open. Okay, so... All right, let's talk about it. I'll, I'll give you a talking point. Jameis Winston, obviously... Good, great head coach, Bruce Arians. They led the NFL in passing last year, I believe, right? Yep. And No, second. Second? With, with a different coaching staff, but yes. I Not just... that this coaching staff is going to be you know, focused on giving Peyton Barber 30 carries a game. He's, he's so turnover prone. Oh, he can't get out well, of his I, own way. I, I think Will, Will said it best on our show. I couldn't agree more with him. If there's ever a quarterback-coach pairing that you want to have, it's Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston. Bruce Arians' motto is no risk it, no biscuit. So take chances to have the opportunity for big plays, and that's what Jameis is going to do probably as well as anybody else or as poorly as anybody else, depending on what side of the equation you come out on that. So I love the opportunity for him. I don't think he's going to be looking over his shoulder at uh, – God, who's there now? I forget. Ryan Griffin, yeah. I believe, is there. Back uh, don't call him Peter. So I, I think <laughs> there's, a, there's a chance here. Um, a healthy O.J. Howard with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin uh, with a run game that's suspect with a defense that could be terrible. I, I just think that James is going to have an opportunity here for a big, big year. And it's hard to make an argument against Jameis Winston. It really is because yeah. does he have a lot of turnovers? Definitely. Could he harpoon a fantasy week for you by, you know, fumbling once and throwing three picks? Yep. Is he going to get benched? We just talked about who's behind him. I don't think it's going to happen so easily. Could he get hurt? Maybe, but I, you can't count on it. There's no track record. Um, even with the offensive line being bad. And you think about how bad that defense is going to be. Tampa Bay is already the first defense that you're going to look at on the schedule and you're going to say, oh boy, I'm going to start everybody playing against Tampa Bay in my fantasy leagues and in DFS. You're, they're going to play from behind a lot. And it's not just Bruce Arians. Arians isn't even calling the plays. It's Byron Leftwich calling the plays. And I always like going with quarterbacks that have offensive coordinators who are former quarterbacks. So I, I, the only reason There's why I can't like. take Jameis as high as seven is because I like so many other quarterbacks better. Now, Heath said that he thinks Drew Brees, I think he said he has big bust potential. Uh, yes. Brees was the number eight quarterback in fantasy last year. In our rankings, Brees is, I think, QB 10. I think this is QB's 10 and 9. Yeah, Brees 10, Winston, Winston 9. Um, yeah, it's because of pass attempts. Do you guys feel the same way that Brees could be a bust? I mean... In, in the sense of comparing him to where he used to be, absolutely. In the sense of him not being a, a startable fantasy quarterback, I, I think that's – you can still get by with him for a good portion of the season. I don't know if he's somebody that you can necessarily say, I'm going to play all 16 games. I'm, I'm going to play all 13 of my fantasy games and, and him be the, the starter. We saw last year he tailed off at the end of the season. Uh, the nice thing is they got a new weapon in Jared Goff, but I still think they're going to be the same offense that they've been trending toward. Jared Goff. Jared Cook. Jared Cook, Jared Cook, Cook. excuse me. Yeah. Uh, the offense that they've been trending toward. I actually like the Cook edition. I think it'd be weird if they got Jared Goff. <laughs> that would be bad for Breeze. All right, let's move on in our top 150. That was 108 and 107. 106 is Carlos Hyde. 105 is a wide receiver. 104 is Deion Lewis. So let's pair Carlos Ooh. Hyde and Deion Lewis. They are two number two running backs on their depth charts, but pretty different, you know, like, I think pretty different. Um, 
in terms of upside, in yeah, terms of one role. shouldn't be drafted. Deion Lewis shouldn't be drafted, right? Deion Lewis. He had 50 catches last year. I'm happy for him. <laughs> Did he really? Have 50 I catches? am. Yeah, 59, He's, 59. Pardon me. They're building their offense around Derrick Henry and slot receivers. Uh, yeah. He's probably like, like if Damian Williams is it goes right, then Deion Lewis will probably outscore Carlos Hyde. But if Damian Lewis goes wrong, Damian Williams, Damian Williams goes wrong, and Derrick Henry goes wrong too. Like let's say both Hyde and Lewis get these great opportunities. Oh my God, Hyde is going to be a million times better. I know Jamie. You, as you long have, as he stays healthy, you have yeah. your eye on Carlos Hyde, right? Yeah, I'll absolutely take him in this range. Uh, I'm not sold on Damian Williams being the full-time starter for 16 games in, in Kansas City. And so uh, I, I think Hyde, you know, it, it's easy to look at guys that struggled a season ago when they were in bad situations. Um, like Golden Tate's another guy that comes to mind. He was just in a terrible situation. I don't think he's as bad as he was. I don't think Carlos Hyde is nearly as bad as he was in Jacksonville. Um, you know, he was averaging over 15 points per game in the first four games for Cleveland last year. He, uh, you know, two seasons ago was a 59 catch guy. So I think he can catch the ball a little better than people expect. Um, uh, I'd much rather take my chances on Hyde in this range than Damian Williams in his range. You've also been taking Hyde <laughs> and Darwin Thompson. Sorry, uh, I was laughing at myself. My bad. Go ahead. Hyde and Darwin Thompson. Yeah. Yeah, if I get both, I'll do that all day. Okay. How many times did I call uh, Damian Williams Damian Lewis? I don't know. I thought you were talking about Derrick Henry at one point. Who knows? Damien Lewis is in billions. You're so a melon farmer. I just wanted to bring up billions. Damien Lewis, also a member of the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Curtis Samuel <laughs> is number 105 on the list. We got some wide receivers here. We got a lot of wide receivers. I don't want to group all four of them. I don't want to. I don't want to undersell any of them. So let's do two and two. Numbers 105 and 103 on the top 150 are. Curtis Samuel for Carolina, who's entering his third season, and new Oakland wide receiver Tyrell Williams coming over from the Chargers. And let me just tell you where they are. Uh, they are f- wide receivers 48 and 47. <laughs> Sorry. That must have been fun to listen to. Who do you like better, Curtis Samuel or Tyrell Williams? I love Curtis Samuel this year. Say One what? Favorite. Really? One of my favorite players target. Yeah. Oh, you're I agree. Like Coca. Yeah. Uh, okay. Why? Uh, he was just very good to close the season. I think it was the last seven of his seven of his eight last seven of his final eight games last season. He had at least eleven PPR points. Um, he had three games with over eight targets in that span, and so it was just fun to see him get used a little bit more. Um, you know, two of those without Cam Newton, but I think as long as Cam is right, look at this receiving core: it's DJ Moore, Samuel, and Chris Hogan as their top three guys. Obviously, McCaffrey and, and Greg Olson are there, but uh, I think Samuel's targets will go up. I think you'll see him be uh, also get some gadget plays, too. Um, so I, I like the opportunity for him. And if more, for whatever reason, struggles, then he could see even a, uh, an increase in targets. It's uh, 11 or more PPR points in those seven games that Jamie's talking about. Um, only one was more than two were more than 15. So it doesn't necessarily have a sky high ceiling. But again, priority depth. You're looking for wide receivers that, in a pinch, you've got to put them in your lineup. This this is a good one. Samuel is someone who I think can continue to deliver in this short area catch and run type of offense that they're continuing to develop. 
What about Tyrell Williams? 41 catches, 653 yards, five touchdowns on just 65 targets last year. 65 targets in 16 games, so he just wasn't very involved. In 2016, he was 13th in non-PPR, 18th in PPR when he was very involved with Keenan Allen missing most of the season. But obviously Antonio Brown's there, so should I really be thinking about Tyrell Williams even at 103rd overall? I think that's too high. Yeah. I I think inconsistency goes hand-in-hand with Tyrell. You know Antonio Brown's going to get a ton of targets, and you know that they're going to run the ball certainly more effectively than they did last year and that Josh Jacobs is going to get more work. So Tyrell is probably going to end up being a shot play guy. And so you're starting him with the hope that he comes through on one of those shot plays. And there, there's a ton of receivers that are like that. And we've talked about a bunch who have more upside already. Let's talk about two more. Counting down. 102 and 101 in the top two, 150. James Washington for Pittsburgh. Did not have more than five targets in any game last year, but things will change. And Deshaun Jackson going back to Philly, 32 years old, entering his 12th season. So, so Dave, you, uh, you, I know you've been talking a lot about Anthony Miller. But do you like Deshaun Jackson even more than Anthony Miller? I've got Miller one spot higher than Djax in my PPR rankings. But I, I love the fit of Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia. Again, priority, depth. He's he's not going to have the same type of targets as some of the other guys that we're talking about. Like, for example, I would assume that Curtis Samuel will have more targets. Deshaun will have fewer targets, but what he does with the targets he gets, there's potential for him to finish as a number three receiver. And when we're talking about the 100th overall pick on draft day, I don't think that's a bad thing to shoot for with a, with a wide receiver at this point in the draft. They need that element in their offense of a deep ball threat. He's got that speed. He's healthy. He's been practicing with Wentz. They've been connecting. Got a stat for you. Uh, Last year, he had 27 targets on deep throws in Tampa Bay. Of the 27, 10 were catchable. He caught nine of them. Wow. For 374 yards and four touchdowns, three of them came from Ryan Fitzpatrick, not from Jameis Winston. For whatever reason, he and Jameis just could not get on the same page. It already sounds like he and Wentz are on in the right direction on being on the same page. And I think that offense wants, again, wants that element and will take advantage of it. So Deshaun, it will be unpredictable. He won't be consistent. But when you need a receiver on a bye week, he's got boomer bust potential. All right, Jamie. I just worry about where the targets come from for him. I mean, the, the, they've lost 44 targets from a year ago. And they've added two guys. Hmm. Well, our Sego Whiteside, I don't think is going to get more than a couple per game. That's still he a might be a red game. zone threat. Sure, so there, there's the forty-four couple from, per game could be State. sure. Now, where where does Jackson? Do you go over all the targets that they had last year? Alshon Jeffrey didn't play the whole season, and I think you said that he didn't even have a hundred targets last year. Uh, I don't. No I don't think he loses any. targets. Yeah, I don't think Alshon loses any. I don't think Ertz. Ertz might lose a smidge. Well, Ertz could lose a lot. I mean, one hundred fifty-six. Yeah. That's among sure. the league leaders uh, at any position. So he might be down to one thirty. Uh, how many did Aguilar have? 97. He led the team. and He led the receivers. Yeah, that ain't happening. Yeah. So Deshaun okay, can but pick so up about 70 there. He's going from 97 to 20? Yeah, they didn't bring in Deshaun Jackson to be the cheerleader. I he's going to get targeted. I don't think he's losing 70 targets. Yeah, but it, that doesn't mean they're going to throw the ball the exact same amount of times they did last year, right? I mean, No, but I mean, 592 is, is kind of what Doug Peterson does. All right, so so how do you see? So who do you like better, James Washington or Deshaun Jackson, Jamie? Uh, I think Jackson's safer. Washington certainly has a much higher ceiling because that's an offense that's going to have to replace 168 targets. Do you like Curtis Samuel or James Washington? 
Samuel. Dave, Same. do you like Curtis Samuel or Deshaun Jackson? I'll take Deshaun over Samuel, but it's close. We've talked about a lot of wide receivers. In non-PPR, it's not close. If we could just sum it up, we've talked about a lot of wide receivers just on this show today, starting with number 120 in the rankings. Anthony Miller, we've talked about Miller, John Brown, two Broncos receivers, Nikhil Harry and Marquise Brown, Kenny Stills, Curtis Samuel, Tyra Williams, James Washington, and Deshaun Jackson. Seems like our favorites for Dave would be Miller and Deshaun Jackson. For Jamie, it would probably be Deshaun Hamilton and... Curtis Samuel? Sure. And where does James Washington fit in with this? Behind those guys. But like ahead of like Emmanuel Sanders? Behind Emmanuel Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Ahead of. Ahead of. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's keep on counting down. I think we have 10 more for today's show. Yeah, oh, this is fun. We're at, we're at number 100. All right. Changing 100. Carson Wentz. That movie? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> hey, I got it. Vegas Vacation. Carson Wentz is QB8, and he is number 100 overall. You well, want to save him for Heath for tomorrow? No. Heath, Heath missed the show. He doesn't get a chance. To, I actually think Heath is somewhat high on Carson Wentz this year, right? Yeah. Should be. What a weird year it was. He had he had a better year by some numbers, like career-high completion percentage, passer rating was better than 2017, but he fumbled a lot. He just just wasn't great. So, can he? Will he be great this year? Will Carson Wentz be great? I think there's potential for him to be a top five fantasy quarterback. This this team, Jamie said it. They like to live around 592 pass attempts. That's what you were referring to. So right around 600 pass attempts per game. He's got so many weapons. He's got great protection. Top five offensive line, and the defense. I, I think it'll be good. I don't know if it'll be great. So I think there could be a lot of high-scoring games. I think there could be a lot of three-touchdown games for Carson Wentz. This is one of the quarterbacks I'm taking ahead of Jameis Winston. I, I think that he's got top-five potential and certainly a chance to be awesome for fantasy. Yeah, I have him back-to-back. I, I think uh, Wentz certainly has a high ceiling, um, but will he stay healthy? You know, that's the hardest thing to you know, say with him because two years in a row he's had season-ending injuries. Uh, the ACL was obvious. The back was a little bit of a surprise. Um, so you have to build that in with him at this point. Yeah, the Eagles were 18th in scoring in 2018. In 2017, they were third. So something was just missing there. Maybe a little bit more ability, more mobility will help for Wentz. Well, you had Wentz not playing to start the year and then not playing the end of the year. So their offense changed. Yeah, but he, he missed some games in 2017 too. But they were so good to and start they the, the year. Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Just felt like felt like something was missing. Uh, I don't couldn't really put my finger on. It. I think what I read mid season was that the RPOs weren't working as well, the run pass options. Like maybe the league caught up to them a little bit. I hope Could not. Be. All right, we got uh, two receivers back to back here at ninety nine and ninety eight in the top one fifty. Third Broncos receiver of the show, Cortland Sutton, who actually was worse than both Deshaun Hamilton and Tim Patrick with four games uh, in four games without Emmanuel Sanders last year. No, he was terrible. Yeah, he really was. But most pedigree, best pedigree of the three. And then Kiki Cutie. So 99 is Cortland Sutton, 98 is Kiki Cutie. What are we looking at with these guys? Sutton, I feel like we could paint him with the same brush that we painted Corey Davis with last year. Came into the league with a lot of fanfare, a lot of hype. 
And when given a chance to meet that hype, he failed. About the only good thing you can say about Sutton was that he averaged a little more than 15 yards per catch, but his catch rate stunk in those games without Emmanuel Sanders. And I, I don't know if he had the right quarterback for that. Now Flacco's there. I think that gives him a chance to collect on more targets beyond 15 yards. Uh, it's just a matter of whether or not he can take that step up from year one to year two. And the bet that a fantasy owner has to make is in round nine. It's not that much to ask for. He's not he's not my favorite guy to target, but I would almost pencil him in ahead of these other priority receivers just because of the potential that he has as the number one outside receiver in Denver. So I want to read what Chris Trapasso, one of our NFL draft writers, wrote recently on CBS. He wrote, five second-year players who could emerge as stars in the upcoming season. Number one on his list is Cortland Sutton. Sutton was my wide receiver one and number mm-hmm. five overall prospect in the 2018 class. I compared him to an early career Brandon Marshall. So yeah, I loved him as a prospect. And then you can go on and read the rest. But uh, there is that for, for what that's worth to you. I t- just... Like Joe Flacco has a history of of good number one wide receivers, not great, but Steve Smith had had good production for him, like Torrey Smith. But just like, is anybody really going to be able to emerge, or are we just going to have a mess? I mean, I like Hamilton, so I'll take him. But uh, but you like him for the catches, right? Yeah. Uh, look, Sutton has an opportunity here if he can, you know, take hold of being the number one guy. He struggled when Thomas was traded last season, and then he struggled even more so when Sanders was gone. That was clearly a chance for him to step up and have big production, and he didn't. So he's got to prove it now. So for QT, number 98 in the top 150, Kiki QT, tell me why a team that doesn't really pass very often has three wide receivers in the top 100. Well, two have a hard time staying healthy, one of which is this guy. (laughs) Played six games last year, really only four of them. As long as it's him and not Hopkins. Right. Okay, do you guys like him at 99 overall or 98 overall? I like him in PPR. I don't like him as much in non-PPR because yeah. I think he's got – listen, if, if Will Fuller and Nuke are going to you know, draw defenses away downfield, the middle of the field is going to be wide open for QT. And Deshaun Watson's been talking up QT this offseason, says he's, he's playing without thinking. That's a good thing. He's got his speed back. He's healthy. He wasn't healthy last year at all. There, I think there's some, I think there's some comparable Deshaun Hamilton type of – um, traits between these two guys. QT is faster, but I, I think they're comparable in terms of fantasy. They could both be high-volume reception guys. Next three players in our rankings are numbers 97, 96, and 95. They're all running backs. They are RBs 40, 39, and 38 in the you know running back rankings. And one of them might be a starter. Jarek McKinnon, Ito Smith, Jordan Howard. Hey, maybe Jarek McKinnon's going to be a starter. I don't know. Maybe all three could be starters. Not not week one. Ito Smith is not going to be a week one starter. Uh, Jarek McKinnon, Ito Smith, and Jordan Howard, back to back to back. Jamie, how would you rank those three? Uh, Smith, Howard, McKinnon. Really? Ito first, huh? Yeah. Dave, I'll how, take, would, how would you rank I'll go them? Howard, Ito. Okay, now McKinnon. Ito first. I, I'm very intrigued. Go ahead, Jamie. I don't buy this. Jordan Howard's a great pass catcher all of a sudden. He was a great <laughs> pass catcher last year, this time in Chicago. I mean, it's just, he is who he is. And, you know, the the Eagles 
one report is Howard's doing a great job catching the ball. The next report is Doug Peterson's talking about Boston Scott as the next Darren Sproles. So Miles Sanders is going to be the guy in Philadelphia. He's going to take the majority of touches there when he's healthy. Right now he's got a hamstring problem, so he's not practicing. Um, if Sanders doesn't play for whatever reason over extended stretch, then Howard's got more upside. But I'll take the number two guy in Philly over what could be one of the uh, shared number two guys in number two guys in Atlanta over what could be one num, one of five number two guys in Philadelphia with Corey Clement and Wendell Smallwood and Boston Scott. And they're going to bring back Darren Sproles and uh, re-sign Jay Ajayi and Ricky Waters is coming out of retirement. I mean, the Eagles are just going to use a bunch. I of had guys. his rookie card. Who, Ricky Waters? I, I think I had like a hundred of them. You I, sell them? I, I think I still have them. <laughs> Does anybody want one? Well, do you think that he could start week one, Jordan Howard? Yes. I think he's a start? terrific. Yes. I think he's a terrific. week one? <laughs> <laughs> could he finish week one or finishes the stud back week I mean, one? he'll get five carries here in the first quarter. Oh, you may yeah. not see him in the second half. He's got Washington. They should have, if, Washington, if, by the way, should have a great defensive line. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I think by week six, Jordan Howard might be totally out of the picture. And and I think just from game to game, Jamie said it, the, the Eagles are going to use multiple running backs no matter what. Miles Sanders is healthy, not healthy. They're, they will use more than two running backs over the course of a game. Primarily, probably two backs. But Jordan, I think the whole reason why we're hearing about Jordan Howard catching passes is because no one else is. You know, they're clamoring for Miles Sanders to come back. He's not a great pass catcher, but if you subscribe to zero RB, he's exactly the type of running back you're looking for to begin Howard Howard. to begin the season with is one of your starters. So if you see Jarek McKinnon, Edo Smith or Jordan Howard available 95th, 6th or 7th overall, do you think I'm running for Howard? And I do not run fast. Neither does Howard. (laughs) 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 All right, we got uh, we got four more to get to here. Um, should we group them together? I guess we could group Cam Newton and Matt Ryan together. They are 94th and 92nd, and they are QBs eight, six, and seven. So, or should that be? Yeah, all right. I think they're QB six and seven. Yeah, because Carson Wentz was QB eight. So Cam Newton is QB seven, and Matt Ryan is QB six in the rankings. And he's yeah, he's a decent amount behind QB five Baker Mayfield, who we'll talk about tomorrow. So Cam Newton or Matt Ryan, guys, who do you like? Ryan, same. What do you expect from Cam Newton? What do I expect? Or what could am be I hoping for? The best fantasy quarterback, or he could uh, miss eight games. I mean, he had his best. His he had the second best passer rating of his career behind his MVP season, and he did that with an arm injury for most of the year. He he was averaging 26 fantasy points per game before that matchup against Tampa Bay when you just knew something was wrong. And that was late in the year. He, he, he really did well with this version of North Turner's offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think these guys could be great value here. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty obvious. He's not throwing you know, difficult passes. He's got a lot of players around him that make plays after the catch. And he was still doing a nice amount of running. I don't know if it was what he did even two years ago, but he was, he was well on his way to finishing as a top five fantasy quarterback. And if he's healthy, if that shoulder's right, it doesn't sound like it's a Andrew Luck type of situation, then he could do it again. So again, wonderful value on draft day. If you wait on quarterback. Now, I think if you draft Cam Newton, you 
you might, depending on how many quarterbacks get drafted in your league and what's on the waiver wire, you, you probably want to get a second guy. But what if you draft Matt Ryan? Are you cool with him just being your only quarterback? Yeah. I mean, the only thing I worry about them is schedule. It's a tough, tough schedule that they have to face. You probably but they play indoors on turf for the first three months of the season. They, they literally won't see the sun until like November, late November, December. You probably also worry with Matt Ryan about his pass attempts because we think the defense should be a lot better. And his pass attempts last three seasons, 534, 529, not a ton, and then 608 last year. Now, it's worth mentioning, he had 534 pass attempts three years ago and he won the MVP, um, but probably can't be that efficient again. In two of his last three seasons, he's had at least a 69% completion rate, 4,900 yards, 35 touchdowns, and he didn't have it in 2017, and Julio Jones was battling an injury. He's had at least 4,500 yards six of his last seven seasons. He's going to end up being maybe the best bargain on draft day. Cam could beat him for it if Cam if Cam comes to training camp and everything's fine and he's not missing any time and he's still being drafted at this spot, he'll be the better bargain. But if, if that's not the case, because I think Cam's value will go up if he's practicing, then Matt Ryan could end up being the best bargain on draft day. Who do you prefer in a four-point per passing touchdown league? Cam. You've got to give it to Cam because of the rushing. Do you go Cam or Baker Mayfield in that format? Baker. Baker. All right, let's go to two more here. Number 93 is Latavius Murray. And number 91, I won't spoil it. You're just going to have to wait to find out who number 91 is. Uh, Latavius Murray is RB37. And he checks in just ahead of that Jarek McKinnon, Ito Smith, Jordan Howard group, just a few spots ahead of them. Um, what What is his role with New Orleans? What was Mark Ingram's role with New Orleans? Is it the same? Similar. If not, if not less. Oh, it's definitely going to be. Less. It won't be more. Although, okay, so let, let me review that because Mark Ingram last year, last year's Mark Ingram didn't do that much, year. right? Twelve point yeah. nine touches per game over fourteen games. That includes the playoffs, obviously, because he was suspended for four games. Mm-hmm. Averaged about 65 yards per game, but he had seven touchdowns. So one every other game on average. I, I, I think Latavius can do that. I, I'm sure what the Saints saw is that they've got the same type of player as Mark Ingram, but younger and uh, with less fumble issues. Here's an and he might have been thing. cheaper. Mark Ingram had 12 carries inside the five-yard line in 12 games. Alvin Kamara had 13 carries inside the five-yard line in 15 games. Uh, How many catches for Kamara inside the five? I, it probably isn't that high, but... No, it might be, but but can, does Latavius Murray get some goal line work? Yep, he will definitely have four or five touchdowns this year from inside of three yards. Okay. Um, You want a final thought on him? How do you feel about him 92nd, 93rd overall? I think you're drafting him right around that point, maybe even a little bit higher as a running back who will give you some numbers from week to week. And if anything happens to Alvin Kamara, he'll be, uh, you know, top 12 type of running back in the rankings. If he's the only show in town for the Saints, he'd be outstanding. And then finally, Larry Fitzgerald, wide receiver 42, number 91 overall in our PPR top 150. Larry Fitzgerald entering his 16th season. He's going to be 36 years old in August. Just two years ago, he was a top 10 wide receiver. In fact, he had three straight years as a top 12 wide receiver in PPR before slumping last year on the worst pass offense in football. They should be better. What do you expect from Larry Fitzgerald this year? 
I think I think he could see fewer targets. He's he's got a lot in common with some of the other rookies that they drafted in that he's a great route runner, but he is not fast like these other guys. Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Christian Kirk. I know he wasn't a rookie this year. He was last year. But these guys all have in common. It's it's what you're looking for in the air raid offense is great route running and the ability to make plays after the catch. Fitzgerald's got one of those things. The rookies have both. Catches last four seasons. The young receivers, I should say. 109, 107, 109, and then 69 last year. It wasn't just a case of getting old. I mean, they were so bad last year. Uh, how many catches would you project him for this year? Does he get to 85? Nope. I'd say 80. Hmm. All right, so the guys behind him that you take over, Larry Fitzgerald, are who? Some of those names that we've liked are maybe the rookies, Harry, Nikhil Harry and Marquise Brown, but Curtis Samuel, James Washington, the Broncos guys, uh, Deshaun Jackson, Anthony Miller. Who would you take ahead of Fitzgerald? Oh. So how the hell did he get so high in the consensus rankings? Is this Heath? Might be me. I'm looking at my rankings, and he's a top 100 player for me in PPR. <laughs> So do you like Fitzgerald or Anthony Miller? In PPR, I guess you could make the case for Fitzgerald because he'll get more targets per game. All right. Okay, so it was Dave and Heath. In fact, Jamie's the reason why Fitzgerald's so low, apparently, at 91. We are done with 60 players, baby. We got 90 more to go. And I'm feeling it. So who said that we can't use the curse words no, 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 no. Ah, you're a rat. <laughs> what a rat. But it was, uh, my boss, you know, I know who he is. I just I thought Jamie was about to curse. Uh, thanks, for, thanks for listening. I cursed? Uh, you're the Harris of this what? podcast. We'll talk to you on... Uh, Jamie, hold oh, wait, wait, wait. Jamie, do you have something you'd like to say? Bye. Bye.